Welcome to Unsponsored Content. I'm your host, Jesse Resnick. Each episode we're going to release will focus on a person or topic that is unique, innovative, or inspiring here at Xander and beyond. Isn't that exciting? Let us turn up the beat. Good morning. Good morning. It's still March, which means I am speaking to another amazing woman because it's Women's History Month. Her name is April Uzarski, not Uzarski, and she has been an instrumental part of the technology organization at Xander, and her career background is wildly interesting and eclectic. She's worked in the entertainment industry, in office operations, with C-level executives, and she's been a speaking and presentation coach. Today, April is our tech community manager here at Xander. We're talking about what a tech community manager really does, how people outside of the tech org can work better with engineers, and what her favorite part of working with Ben John is. April, welcome to Unsponsored Content, and thank you so, so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. So yeah, just a quick anecdote about my name. Everyone always pronounces it Uzarski, but Growing up, my father always told the joke. He's like, back in the day when my ancestors were in Poland, we owned a ski shop called Use Our Skis. So, <laughs> which is like the worst dad joke ever. Um, sorry, dad. But uh, it's like a really good way to remember how to say my yeah. last name. That's really cute. I yeah. was going to ask you, it's so interesting. Where are you from? Like, where does that name come from? Um, I think it's Polish. Like, we've tried okay. to do family history, but it's it, it's really time consuming. And I just, yeah, we don't have the time for it. So it's, yeah. I think it's Polish, but my whole family is generally Eastern European. Oh, cool. All right. So to kick us off, I want to know what your background is, where you went to school. I don't know much about you other than that. I know you do some really cool things here. So what's your deal? My deal. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, go Stillers. I moved out of Pittsburgh whenever I was 18 to go to college. I went to Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, which is a really small commuter school that has a really awesome theater program. Um, I ended up not getting into like the heavy hitters that I wanted to go to, but it actually saved me a lot of money in the long term because, you know, school is expensive. CMU is expensive. So I actually was able to hit the ground running when I graduated with not a lot of debt. And I was able to kind of like live I don't like a poor actor, like living in New York City and able to like work as an actor for a long time, which was great. So first, actually, before I moved to New York, I was doing regional theater, which was really cool. Um, whenever you say regional theater in the business, it's generally any acting work that you're getting paid to do that's not in New York City. So it could be anywhere, like literally, except for New York City. So I actually moved to New York in 2005. I sold my hoopty. Uh, for $2,500. And I moved to New York with just $2,500. And I was just like, yeah, let's check this out. Let's do this. So I, I got a job immediately at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company in Times Square. I did not like that job. Um, but I stuck with it for a year. And then I just kind of came in and out of the city as a professional actor from that time until 2012. I had various jobs. I was like, I worked on the restaurant line. I worked as a waitress. I worked as an office admin for a lawyer organization here in the city. And then I, I went back out again during the recession, which was crazy as an actor. I worked all through the recession as an actor. Wow. Um, and when I quit my job, I, the CFO was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was just like, yeah. And it actually worked out really, really well. So, um, But in 2012, I came back 
And I felt like the tides had changed really for actors in New York City. For years, we were told when we went to go get a day job that we could not tell people that we were actors. Or if we did, we're like, oh, I'm not, I don't do that anymore. It's something I don't like to pursue because people would not hire us. But when I came back in 2012, I feel like the tech industry had really changed that. People were saying like, no, you should be hiring artistic people for these reasons. So when I came back, people were like, oh, you're an actor. That's awesome. Um, I think as I realized, we bring so many different qualities to a job. So I worked for a startup in the financial district for a while, and then I moved to the Seagram's building to work for another startup, and then I ended up at UpNexus here about, almost about five years ago. I came in to be Ben John's EA. He was not the CTO at the time, but I kind of moved around with him. You know, we reorganized every six months, so I just kind of followed him around. I liked being an executive assistant. It's actually a really cool role. You get to really interact with a lot of like top leadership and get to know people and see their styles, which I think is awesome. But because I have like a very varied background, I always like wanted to raise my hand and say, hey, can I can I do this or can I do this or I have experience acting? Can I sit in on this all hands rehearsal and give feedback? So I kind of started building my career here that way, just saying like, oh, I think I could be helpful there or, oh, you're running a Shutterbugs event, which is like our photography group. Let me help you set up that event. And people got to know me and they realized that like I could do things other than being an executive assistant. So I don't know, I kind of grew my career out that way. Can you share a time that you had with Ben John that was really interesting that most people like may not know? Mm, that's <laughs> I'm going to tell this story and he's probably going to kill me. Um, but Ben John, I Ben John has been such a pleasure to work with. He was my manager for most of my time here. And I would say that I, I followed him around after all of the iterations of reorgs because I, I really liked him as a leader and I thought he was super awesome. But I remember we sent him ice cream to his home. Like, I don't someone in his family was sick or something like that. And I had this really horrible fear of ice cream melting. Like, when I go to the store, like, I have to run <laughs> home because I'm like, if it melts at all, it's going to be terrible. Uh, so we sent him like a, I don't know, it was like a package from Gold Belly or something. And it was delivered and they didn't pick it up outside of the house. And like, so... <laughs> The ice cream sat there for like three days in like July. Oh my god! And he was like, "It's fine. We'll just refreeze it." And I was like, "No, please do not do that." But I just, I just laughed at that because like it was one of my silly irrational fears. Is that a good story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. But what I always tell people about Ben John is Ben John is very funny, and I'm sorry to blow your cover, Ben, but like he is one of the funniest leaders I've ever worked with. He has such a great sense of humor, and I don't know. It's always been a pleasure working alongside him. Yeah, yeah. I um finally attended live in person one of his tech data all hands yeah. and um, he was so charming he was so great and I also really love the image of him with the Nike headband on that oh, says yeah, tech exercise yeah. obsessed <laughs> that like always makes me smile yeah that's actually the best part about Ben was like I'll have this crazy you know community idea and I'll be like Ben all right I'm gonna take your headshot and I'm gonna put a Nike headband on you to like you know, market texercise. Are you okay with that? And he's always like, sure. Like he never minds getting like kind of thrown under the bus in a fun way to like kind of support our causes, which is awesome. So thank you, Ben. What exactly is a tech community? And the reason why I asked that question is because most of the other teams within Xander don't necessarily call themselves a community or have a manager. So what is a tech community and what exactly do you do? Sure. So tech community is basically really just fully anyone who sits in the technology organization. I like to say that, I mean, I, I'm a tech community manager and like um, Sun Park, who's on my team, is a tech community analyst and then Erica is our learning and growth manager. 
we don't manage community, we help enable community. So I think that managing is kind of a misnomer. But to answer your question, I mean, like we look at everyone in our organization as our client or our customer, and we you know, try to build out programming, um, build culture, things that will kind of resonate with everyone in the organization who they may have different needs than, say, people in HR or different interests than people in marketing. So we're just like very narrowly focused in that way when we spin up programs and Erica runs her learning and development projects. But I I would say, too, it's really weird. We try to explain to people where people experience, basically, Mm -hmm. or learning and development, like a core learning and development group that would sit in HR, but we are not HR. Mm -hmm. So we sit in tech. So I, I don't know if that explains it at all. Well, Is that helpful? Yeah, 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 totally. What would be the difference between the technology group and I guess the rest of the organization? Like what kinds of differences do they need in their day to day? Yeah. So I think that the extra is there's a lot of specific technical training that they, you know, is really helpful for them. Like right now, I know Eric is running a Kubernetes 101 session, which is like, I know if you just saw Jesse's face, she's like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know what? I can't even explain it. I know that it's about Dockers and containers. And I know if any engineers are listening right now, they're like, April, please just stop talking. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's a very specific thing that we're using right now that people need to be trained up on. So that's like something that's really important for people to get into. A lot of, you know, last year, right, we took two completely different organizations during the acquisition and pushed them together to, you know, I think that that time it was like over 600 people. So we had two very different working cultures. So part of our job last year was to figure out, like, how do we get people to bridge the gap? How do we get people working together? Is there a way that we can communicate that will, like, cross all boundaries? And just, like, really, really getting people connect it mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know it, it was a big shock for most people because like the cultures were very different mm-hmm. yeah what are some unique aspects of the engineering team oh yeah um the one thing that people really don't know about the engineering teams or even just the technical people is they're really really creative sometimes like we've learned like you'll get more traction on an email like if you send a funny meme or something in it like that's just fun like rather than just like a straight out corporate looking email which I'm sure like marketing's like I know we know (laughs) but yeah it's just it's they're really fun and they're really creative at one time I was talking to one of the engineers about his team because I'm like you all like play the best pranks ever like how is that possible and he's like April my team literally sits here all day and pokes holes in people's code and like figures out what's wrong with things he's like so they're just really good at like that way of thinking and like they're just I don't know it's just I guess it's just based on what they do for their work and I guess maybe like the constitution you have to do that I don't know it just makes you kind of fun that's why I love working in the department it's so many fun and creative people the technology team here at Xander is 700 plus employees and you April are responsible for building that team out do you have any tips you can share on managing a workload and also keeping a good work-life balance so the good work-life balance is something I'm still trying to figure out and I think our team is still trying to figure out as well Uh, We spent most of 2019 here for really long hours running events, and we were really burnt out by the end of the year. And that's not a bad thing. It's just we realized that when we came back in January and we're like, oh, we need to slow down. There's so much that needs to get done. So I think that, I mean, if I have any tips, and I'm sure that this is true across any business anywhere, there's always a mountain of things that you can accomplish, but just really kind of trying to narrow down the most important things that will really have the most reach. That's kind of what we're doing right now. So instead of like running 10 okay projects a quarter, we'll run three that work really, really well and we'll have the furthest reach. So that's kind of like our success. I also know everyone in my team, (laughs) we all think in the shower. 
So we're actually talking about getting whiteboards for the shower because that's where apparently we all do our best thinking. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a tip. It's not really work-life balance at all because I should probably just be thinking about something fun in the shower or, or showering or something. But I don't know. I think the tip would be to like really plan out your days well so you can like get through what you need to get through, but then go and have fun on your own and do some self-care for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially too with community professionals, we're always looking out for everyone else. But like in turn, no one's always looking out for us. So like I feel like that can be part of the burnout as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Taking care of the people who actually are taking care of the other people. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the people in your community. And are there any misconceptions people might have about engineers? Mm. I think the biggest misconception truly for like technical folks is that they just want to sit in a dark room in like a stained hoodie with piles of empty boxes of pizza and being left alone. And I have to be honest, like maybe sometimes I do. Sometimes I want to sit in a dark room and like watch streaming, you know, content for until it asks me if I'm still watching. Right. I just don't want to be bothered. So so I'm sure that people like want to do that. But I think that there's a misconception that like engineers or technical people are like that. They're not like they're highly social. They get up to a lot of great things at work. They have like their own little communities within our larger community. So yeah, that's, that's, I think the big, big misconception. And they're really friendly. Like sometimes you just have to be the first person to say hi. I've never thought engineers were antisocial. I was actually coming from the angle. So a couple months ago, actually it was now like a couple years ago, um, I started doing the implementing snacks at One Rock in oh, that yeah. office. And yeah. someone came over to me and he um, had a really specific list of snacks and beverages that he wanted that had high sugar content in kind of like a healthy way. Like it wasn't like Hershey Kisses and Coke. It was um, the Welch's fruit snacks and like Snapple. And he said he gave me his schedule that he eats a certain amount of sugar at certain points of the day to keep him going through his coding cycles and so I was like that's fascinating and sure let's get you these snacks yeah yeah for sure how do you feel like other parts of our business or any business that has a team of engineers can work better with them and vice versa my team gets called upon a lot to help figure that out I think that there needs to be more meshing of like our enormous organization with the rest of the company so I want to see more of our folks like attending these things and kind of like joining the new culture that's being built company-wide as far as vice versa, I, you know, that's a really good question. You know, our happy hours and things like that, some of our events are only tech focused, but we welcome other people to come in, like come in, meet us, like come and have fun. We like to meet people. We like to build cross-functional relationships. So like, don't be afraid. Like if you see something tech wise, you should just join it. Even if it's like technical content, you may not understand what's happening, but like, I don't know, you may learn something. And I mean, I am not a technical person and I've sat through so many technical presentations, but I've learned a lot and I've learned a lot about what our company does because of it. Which that actually brings me to a question I have for you. As someone who isn't in the weeds of anything that technology does day to day, you don't necessarily speak the same language. How do you get by? You know, I'm, I always wish that I could code a bit. I mean, I can't code at all. And I don't believe anyone on my, nope, no one on our team can. But I think that how we get by is we provide a service that sometimes like we understand, at least we think we understand, like how our organization kind of thinks and how they want to be interacted with. For us, it's just kind of like feeding upward to management. Like this is what everyone kind of wants to see. This is how we should be communicating to people. Like these are how we need to fill gaps to get people more interested in what's happening or more engaged, I should say. The real connection is just the human connection. That's how we communicate. That's our language. And because we're all people, it works out. You have such a cool job. Yeah, it's it's really weird. 
even when people stop me, like my mother, she's like, what do you do? And I, I sometimes like I, I trip over it because we do so many different things and I, it's really hard to explain. It's all about the people. I have stayed this long because of the people. I love the community. I love the community they've built. I mean, I'm only, we're helping facilitate it. We're not, you know, we're part of building it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a place that I want to be and people I want to be around. Before I let you go, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you wanted to tell our listeners about the technology community? Hmm. <laughs> right now, like part of our struggle as the tech community team is our branding and figuring out how to brand ourselves to the entire organization so they know what we offer because we offer a lot. I mean, you know, part of our team works on the engineering onboarding part of our team, you know, like it's the learning and development sessions that I talked about. We do team building sessions. We'll run those for people. Like we'll have teams come to us and say, hey, like we have a bunch of people who have not worked together. And all of a sudden we have to work on this massive project. Come in at the beginning of the week, do some team building so we can have a productive week. But we are working on branding ourselves better. Uh, We are not marketing experts. So that's been hard. But then marketing what tech is doing so then people can get interested and kind of understand what's going on. Uh, We do have a weekly newsletter, which we don't send out to the entire company. But I don't know if I guess if you want on the list, we could put you on the list. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, it's just we need to market better. Getting out of the business lens, asking you some fun personal questions, even though I feel like I already know a lot about you from this conversation. Um, I know that you have a side gig in photography. Is that true? It is true. Um, I tried my hand at like wedding photography or portrait photography. I find that I don't like it. I don't like dealing with clients. I don't like dealing with demands. (laughs) Um, I kind of just like to get out on the street and like take photos of what I want to take photos of. Um, But part of my side gig actually is um, I write a monthly trivia like quiz or I write monthly trivia for a business in Pittsburgh. They run it in their monthly newsletter and they use my photos. Like I'll go back to Pittsburgh once a year and take a ton of photos and then just like stockpile everything. And then as I go along in the months, like research and then write trivia for them to run. That's fascinating. Yeah, so that's like something I do on what the side. What kind of trivia is it? Like about their business? No, no, about the city in general. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've like, I mean, I, I know more now about Pittsburgh than I did when I lived there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. What is your all-time favorite event or gathering or outing that you have put on in your tech community? Yeah, I know that my boss is probably going to take a really n- nervous deep breath right now. Her name, uh, Teresa Vu, Tivo. Back in, oh God, I don't even remember when it was. We ran this event. So Stephanie Letterman, who's one of our project managers, myself, and then Tivu, we set up an event for the engineers called Classy Not Classy. <laughs> and it was an evening of like different challenges. I think we had like five different teams who had to participate. Maybe it was more than five, but we set up challenges where they had to like would determine whether their team was classy or not classy. And like an example is like we set out a bunch of, you know, everyone was on stage and then we set up like cereal. So the person had to decide whether it was like the generic brand or like the actual brand of cereal through taste testing. I remember we did that with cheese as well. We got really expensive cheese, but then we got like baby bell and mozzarella sticks from the, you know, the refrigerator and like people had to taste test and the amount of people who thought our mozzarella sticks were high end cheese. It was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like small challenges like that, that it was just really fun. I also remember when we set up the room, half of it had like Taco Bell, McDonald's, and then the other half was like, tapas and like sushi and things like that I don't know it was just a very fun theme to run with and we keep talking like how we need to bring something like that back yeah yeah I've never heard of that theme before and I'm absolutely stealing it for a future event <laughs> that's, so fun. that's it was really fun yeah last question for you what is yeah. your all-time favorite advertisement oh my gosh okay 
I have I actually love advertising. Like I think it's so it's gotten so interesting and fun and funny and witty and all of those things. But I like to think about advertisements that have songs or like, I don't know, jingles, I guess you could say, that you never forget. I saw a meme recently. It was like, if I ever went to jail and had to call somebody, like I would only know, I don't know how to call Empire Carpets or something like that. Because, you know, you just remember the phone number. But I remember, like I think it was in the late 2000s when I lived here, there was an advertisement. It was an Optimum Online advertisement. And I will never forget that phone number. It's 877-393-4448. And I don't know if anyone else remembers that. Like, I don't remember the rest of the song, but I definitely remember that. And I'll, like, walk around the house singing it sometimes. Another question for you. What was your favorite thing you acted in? Ooh, oh goodness gracious. Um I think okay, so I've had like I've had leading roles, I've had non-leading roles. I think the last professional theater gig I had, I was on the road doing um a Christmas carol and I like literally got hired to play like a no-name role. Um it was probably the I was in the chorus. It was probably the least lift I'd ever had to do for a show and um I don't know, it was like I just wheeled my like chestnut cart around the stage for like weeks and and like, I don't know, it was so much fun. It was so, like, because there had, it was no pressure. It was, yeah. and we also got to use fireworks in the show, which was really exciting. Oh, like cool. sparklers. I don't know why that's exciting, but it was. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know. I think that, and then I did um, Anything Goes a long time ago when I played Reno Sweeney, and that was really awesome. Sweet. That was like the lead character. Sweet. Well, I yeah. think we also have to uh, start doing a, some Xander auditions for a Xander play of sorts. Hey, listen, we have a lot of creative people here and yeah. like a lot of ex-artists or people who are still artists. Like, I don't know. We could do it. We could do a Xander play. The world Eddie is Peterson, I'm talking to you. Eddie yes. Peterson was also an actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know Caddy Kat, Withers has yep. some behind-the-stage oh, experience, yeah. too. Michael Dalto is still – I don't know if you know Michael Dalto. He's yeah. still in the business. So, mm -hmm. yeah. There's, there's a few of us Xander here. Arts. Let's yeah. get on it. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, April. Have a fabulous Friday. Your thank tech you. community is awesome, and we love having you. Yeah, thank you so much. Unsponsored content is produced by the best producer in the game, Christine Rubenstein and Matter Communications, with special support from the best communications team in the game, the Xander Comms team. For the latest updates so you don't miss an episode, follow us on social media at Xander on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like this podcast, which I know you did, follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, here's a scoop.